0: In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's continue this long series that we have been doing for decades. And by now, through this long series, somebody should have changed. Amen? Or should have wanted to make a change in your life. I have been teaching on... How well do you know God? How well do you know him? And I've been adding to how well do you know him? And the last teaching was preparing your heart. So let's go back to Ezra. We'll do a little review, but then we'll go ahead and we'll move forward with what God has for us today. Y'all, we need to get excited about this word. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. We need to be excited about the word because when we know what the word does, That should give us some excitement. Amen? Hallelujah. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. The word of God now reads. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. Let me read it again. For Ezra had prepared his heart. To seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. You may be seated. So we talk about Ezra. He was a scribe and Ezra was chosen to lead Israel out of Babylon and lead them back to Jerusalem, going back into their land. So as he was leading them, Ezra had to prepare his heart. Prepare means to make ready to set your heart, to establish your heart. So your heart had to be made ready to seek the law of the Lord. And we talked about how you make your heart ready to seek the law of the Lord. You get rid of everything that you have put before God. We went in Samuel chapter 7 where it talked about... Samuel was telling the people that God wanted their whole heart. And basically what he was saying... The only way God can have your whole heart is for you to remove all those idols, remove all those strange gods that you have before God, and then you can prepare your heart. You can make your heart ready. You can establish your heart before the Lord. So those people established their heart. They set their heart to seek the um, law of the Lord, just like Ezra. So what did they do? The Bible said they moved all of those other idols. They moved all of those gods out of their lives. And that's what we have to do. We have to ask the Holy Spirit. The last scripture I gave you was in Psalms 139, I believe, where it says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. So he was saying, really, search me. Search means to examine. So David was telling him to examine him. And I went over some examples. When you go to the doctor's office, they have to examine you, they, you know, for a physical. They give you an examination to see if everything is the way it need to be. So if it's not the way it need to be, then they're going to tell you how to get it like it need to be. So this is what the word of God does for us. When we ask the Lord to examine us, when we ask the Lord to search us, we're asking him, Lord, I want you to search me. I want you to see if there's any evil way in me because sometimes we can become so familiar or we can adapt to things that's not of God that we think is normal. And the reason why we think it's normal because when you serve in a, another God, which is Satan, which is Beelzebub, which is um, the Lord of the flies, when we serve in him, he's not going to check you and tell you what you're doing is wrong. Did y'all not know that? The devil will let you overeat. And, and let you think that that's not a sin. Gluttony is a sin. And people don't look at gluttony like it's a sin. People look at food as if this is what I need to live. What is this saying that says you eat to live, not live to eat? Is that it? You eat to live, not live to eat. And some of us, we scratch our stomachs way out of proportion, and we got to give the stomach what where we have scratched it, right? <laughs> so we have to examine ourselves, and we have to know how to push back from the table. God is going here for some reason. We have to learn how to push back from the table, because when we don't push back, we push out. It's <laughs> Holy Spirit, y'all. We don't push back, we push out. And people know where we've been the majority of our time with another God, which is gluttony. And I want to say this. we trying to take all kind of pills. we trying to do things to reduce our weight. And the only thing you got to do is push back. Then you will come back in. But we do these things because we want a quick fix. Because guess what? When you ask the Lord to examine you, when you ask the Lord to search your heart, to see what's there, the Lord is going to tell you what to do and how to do it to keep off what you have put on yourself. He's going to tell you to push back. So we have to push back. We have to get our flesh under subjection where that flesh won't want what it wants. And the only reason why it want it is because we give it to it. We have control over that flesh, but we give flesh control. And it's time for us to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and then he will flee. We leave out the part of submitting to God, but we're trying to resist the devil. You cannot resist the devil if you don't submit to God. Come on y'all. You got to submit. And some people don't want to submit to God and nobody else because they done made up their mind. See, that's where God is showing you it's all about you. That's a form of pride. Some people don't want people to tell them anything because they figure I found a way to do what I need to do. But how long is that going to last? My Bible tells me that heaven and earth shall pass away. That mean everything shall pass away, but his word is the only thing that's going to stand. His word is the only thing that's going to last because the Bible says that his word is forever settled in heaven. The Bible says that God is not man. Oh, here we go. That he shall lie, neither the son of man that he shall repent. Have he not said it? Shall he not do it? Have he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? God God said, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has come out of my lips. God is on time, y'all. He's not going to change. He said, I change not. I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. My word is not coming back to me void, but it's going out to accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing that I have sent it to do. So God knows his word always works. No matter what the situation is, God knows His Word always works. No matter how you feeling, no matter what you're going through, God's Word has already worked in the midst of how you feel. And if we can grab hold to that, And be steadfast, unremovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. And saying, God, I'm not denying how I feel. I'm not denying how I'm treated. I'm not denying how people hate me. But I know what your word said. You said in your word, you won't leave me, nor shall you forsake me. You will be with me even until the end. These afflictions are only for a moment. God, I give you glory. Because you said many are the afflictions of the righteous. But you have already delivered me out of them all. Not just this one, but whatever may come. I am delivered from them all. You told me to be of a good cheer. Because God, you let me know about these trials and these tribulations. But he said, be of a good cheer because I have overcame. Jesus have taken care of all of this, y'all. Jesus walked this earth before we were even here. And he went through yet what we're going through right now. But he took care of it. So our trust and our dependency have to be in him and not in us. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you fixed it yet? Have you fixed it yet? See, when we fix something, we just repair But when God does it, it's put back just like he and y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Come on, we can patch up something, but eventually it's not going to last. But when we use the word of God and we put power on what we're doing, it lasts. It stands forever. Everything else may pass away, but what God does, there is no flaws in it. God does it the way it needs to be done, and that's why we have to trust Him. We can't trust in ourselves. Have you ever trusted yourself so much you felt like I don't fail? Yeah. Yeah. I always get it right. Every man looks at me and loves me. I can pull anybody I want to pull, because that's just you just working for Satan. That's right. Because see, your mind ain't right. It's all about you. Remember I said we got to get rid of the me, myself, and I's. Because it's not about us. Because if you're in him and he's in you, you would know the same thing that Paul know in Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I have been, not going to be, but I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I, see there go that I, that live, but it is Christ that lives on the inside of me. So see, when you submit to him, you put your hands to the plow and you don't look back. See, if you're going to follow him, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you got to continue in his word. You got to remain there. You got to stay there. And that's how people know that you are a follower of him. And that's how people know that you know the truth because you're not changing because your situation changed. You're not being moved about what CNN say, what is it? CNN or CBN, whatever you call it. You're not moved by all of those anchors on TV just because they're reporting news. You're only moved by what the word has already said. You're not denying what you hear or what you see, but you're saying, God, this is what your word has said. This is why Jesus, when Jesus was walking and he saw the fig tree from afar off in Mark 11, When he saw that fig tree from afar off, he knew what that fig tree should be doing. Why? Because he created that fig tree. So he saw leaves from afar off and he said, okay, if I'm seeing leaves, there should be some figs on this tree. When he got to this tree, but before that, the Bible said that Jesus was hungry. I don't know about you. When you are hungry and your mind gets set on something in your refrigerator that's going to satisfy you on that day, and it calms down some of that hunger because, you know, when you open that refrigerator, you had some leftovers that you can put in that microwave. So you get to that refrigerator. Now, you can see it before you open it up. Come on. Can somebody be in agreement with me? Julie, you can see that piece of cake before you even get in the kitchen. You know, man, it better not be ate that cake because your mind is on that piece of cake. <laughs> so you get to the refrigerator and you know it's in there. But when you open it up, guess what? It's not there. So Jesus, when he got to the fig tree, he said, you're going to be cursed from this day forward. He said, I curse you. No man can eat from you from this day forward. What did Jesus do? He didn't only help himself. He helped all of us. He was letting us know that we don't allow things to be in our lives. That should not be in our lives. He has given us the authority. He has given us the right to say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. So this is what Jesus done. And when Jesus done that, he didn't sit there and wait for it to die. Jesus knew that that fig tree was already dead. He went about his father's business. When they came back to that tree, Jesus said nothing. His followers said, Master, the tree that you cursed Has withered up and died. Jesus already knew. And you know how Jesus respond? Have faith in God. See when we have faith in God. We have become so acquainted with him. That it don't matter what it appeared to be right then. We know what God has already done. Have we gotten to that place yet? To know what God has already done outside of what we see. That's why the Bible says, for now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is a reality of right now, even though you don't see it in the natural. That means I have the title deed in my hand. Faith assures me of what God has already done. I know what I already have. So when we prepare in our hearts before God, we have to move things out of the way that's getting in the way of what God want to do in our lives. Remember, I did the illustration of spirit, soul and body. We are three part being spirit, soul and body. When you got born again, your spirit is the real you. That's where the life of God is. That is where um, everything is that you need to live this life here on earth. But the problem is your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, that part of you didn't get saved. That part of you did not get born again. Your spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that got born again. So our job is to work with the soul. The spirit is, has everything. It's been sealed until the day of redemption. The enemy can't touch your spirit. But your soul, your mind, will, and emotion, he's messing with that every day. Every day he's messing with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Why? And I'm going to tell you why because I'm going a little bit further today. Turn with me to Mark, the fourth chapter. Tell your neighbor, say, now, calm down. Don't go to sleep. Say, we're going to get taught today. Say, you need this word. Say, wake up. Say, it's time for the word of God. Look at Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning at um, verse 14, and let's talk about it. Let's go into depth with it. Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 14 says, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard Satan immediately, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Let's talk about that verse. The sower sows the word. I'm the sower today. I'm giving you the word of God. And this is what happens when the word of God is heard. It says that, and these are they by the wayside. And this is talking about different grounds. And he used this illustration dealing with planting. And the reason why he used it, because the ground is your heart. The seed is the word of God. So the word of God has to be planted in your heart. So he was using the different grounds um, dealing with the earth so you would know about planting. So the wayside is, if y'all know about planting, when Grenadine used to plant a garden, you know, you have to tilt the ground, you have to break it up, do all that, and then you put the seed in the ground. But sometimes seed will be on the wayside and it's on top, where it's in a place that it didn't get where it needed to get. So the Bible says that the enemy, which is Satan, being that the seed was on the wayside, the Bible says that Satan comes immediately. Now I want y'all to catch this and we have to stop right there and understand why is Satan coming so immediately to take that seed? The reason why he's coming immediately to take that seed is because he's about death. God is about life. The Bible says that the word was sown and they heard the word. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So Satan knew you heard, you hearing this word on today. But Satan said, I got to come and snatch this word immediately. Why? He said, I got to come and change. This is how he snatch it. How he snatch it is. He brings doubt in your heart. Go back to Genesis When God gave Adam a command and told him that he could eat of every tree in that garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, you cannot eat of that tree. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. God was talking about a spiritual death, not a physical death. So guess what? Satan came immediately. He was right there in paradise. He used a part of God's creation, which was the snake that God created. Remember, everything that God created was good. The Bible said it was very good. Just like we as Christians, we're born again, but the devil can still use you if you allow him to. Just because you saved, don't think the devil's going to give you a break. No, he's going to come hard at you because he want to try to make God look like He's not who he say he is. So he needs you to make God look like he's not who he say he is. So guess what he did? He used that serpent. And guess what he began to say? He began to use what God told them not to do. He began to say what God told them not to do. He said, did God really say? I'm going to ask you a question. When God tell you when you're going through in your body... When you hear God say, by Jesus, scribes, you are already healed. But seem like the pain in your body, seem like what you're going through is just coming at you even harder. So then you hear a voice that say, how do you know that God really say that you're healed? You might die tonight. He's going to come back and snatch that word. Immediately. Why? He don't want that word sown in your heart because he know if that word get deep rooted in your heart, he can't get to it. Have y'all noticed when you do a garden or some of us that have or have not, I watch granddaddy do the garden. He makes sure that when he plant it's deep. It's deep, but he just don't leave it to itself. See, that's where we messed up and we're going to go there too. He planted so they can't come down in there and take that seed. He has to make sure it's deep. So the Bible says Satan comes immediately and takes that seed. He come immediately and take the word. The question is, he knows that there's life in the word of God. This is why Jesus told them in John the sixth chapter. You remember Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He was letting him know that if they eat of this bread and if they drink of his blood, then they will have everlasting life. They thought Jesus was crazy, y'all. They said he want us to eat of his body. He want us to drink of his blood. That's against what God told us to do. But Jesus said, you're going to enter into a new covenant. You ain't going to be up under no old covenant. You are not going to be up under based on what you do. You're going to be up under based on what I have already done. He said, so the only way you're going to have this life is to eat of me. Now, Jesus had followers. The Bible says that he had followers. It was more than the 12 disciples. He chose 12 of those followers. He had many followers that followed him. It's a lot of people that may follow you. But when you really get deep rooted in the word, you're going to find out who's really following you as you follow Christ because they're going to break off from you. So we see that Jesus, after he said these things, the disciples that was following him, they said, this is a hard saying. It was too hard for them to believe. Come on, they supposed to have been followers of Jesus Christ. Just like we supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be taught of him through what's already written. But you truly find out who's following Jesus Christ when you're going through and you're dragging a leg. And you're telling, and they're telling you, you better do something about that. They might end up cutting your leg off. You said the devil is alive. By Jesus Christ, I am already the healed of the Lord. I'm already walking. My leg ain't going to go. Amen, Apostle. Amen, amen, amen. Apostle told them, your toe's going to fall off. <laughs> she took it back. See, we have to let them know. No, that's what you say. But this is what my God told me this morning. I may be dragging it in the natural, but in the spirit, I'm doing some cotton wheels, y'all. Amen. See, that's the kind of faith we're supposed to have. Our faith ain't natural faith. Our faith is the kind of faith that says, I don't have to see it to know it's already done. So you living like it's already done. I remember y'all. Um, who had a birthday party? It was somebody that had a birthday party. Maybe it was my daughter. We had it at the skating ring. And some church people came to the skating ring. Was it that time, Kim? And my little nephew, he couldn't skate, y'all. So I'm the auntie that I am. I said, come on, baby. I'll take you around the ring being so nice. Next thing I know, I was down. I was down, y'all. When I was down, I was down. I couldn't even lift my arm. It hurt it so bad. And I'm looking and I'm seeing one of the church members looking at me. I said, well, maybe they'll come over here and help me get off this hard floor. Nobody came, but with the help of Jesus, I got up with the help of Jesus. And I sat at the table and I mean, my hand start swelling instantly. I sat there and it was throbbing. I say, in the name of Jesus, you're going to stop this. As Gloria said, it's foolishness. You're going to stop throbbing in the name of Jesus. So I went home, y'all, and that in the next day I had to preach. This is funny. My son come in the room, and then I was wrapping Aria's hair because she didn't know how to wrap it. So I told my husband, I said, "You got to wrap her hair." And you know, I don't know how to wrap no hair. <laughs> I said, "Well, you got to try because I can't do this right here." So anyway, he was trying, taking both hands, y'all, trying to mold it. <laughs> Couldn't see nothing but hands, no hair. But anyway, I sat there and my son come in the room. And you know, kids, they don't really notice you until the devil want them to notice you to try to make you back off of what you believe. Y'all know what I'm talking about. My son come in the room. Hey, mama. I said, hey, baby. What's wrong with your hand? You need to go to the emergency room, mama. I said, boy, I'm already the healed of the Lord because God said I'm healed. He walked out of the room and I sat there, y'all. I was in so much pain and the devil said, you heard what he said. You heard what he said. You better go to the emergency room. Your arm is broke. Look how fat your arm is. Your your hand looked like an elephant hoof. I'm hearing, come on, y'all. Haven't y'all been there? So I sat there and I said, Jesus, this is what you said. Now, I can only go on what you're saying, but you know where I am in you. See, this is what you got to know. You got to know where you are in him. You can't do something because somebody else done it. You have to do what you know God has said to you. You only speak what you believe. So I said, God, you know where I am in you. You know where I am. So whatever you tell me, God, this is what I'm going to do because I'm going to trust you. He said, what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see yourself moving that hand and that arm. I want you to see it. You got to see it. You're saying it, but I want you to see what you're saying. Y'all, I sat there and I meditated. By Jesus Christ, I am healed. Not going to be healed, but I am healed. Y'all, And I began to see myself just swinging my arm. Swinging my arm in spite of the pain. Next thing I knew. I was swinging my arm. I come, came to church the next day, preached a sermon, pulled the video. That looked like an elephant hand, but I'm healed. Amen. My husband is my witness. I couldn't bend my arm out. I couldn't do nothing with this arm. But I trusted God because I knew you got to honor what you said. Amen. And I'm standing on what you... Now, let, let me let me say this. Don't be trying to do something I did. If you're not where you need to be in Him, and and the ones that's watching, the ones that spying me out, hey, how you doing? Don't be going out lying, cause I say it. If you're not where I am or where other people are, don't you go out and fall and say, cause Apostle Amanda did it. He's the same God, I can do it, and you're never in your word and haven't become acquainted with him. You better go to that mercy room quick, fast and the earth, and make sure you put on your mask, okay? True that, as Brother Willie say. Because see, the devil twist. He comes immediately. When I'm giving you truth, and I'm going to tell you why. He can come so suddenly and take truth from you so quickly. It's because of where you are and it's because of where you've been. Come on, God is so good. God is teaching you something. So he comes immediately to take the word because he knows that there's life in the word of God. The Bible says Jesus began to tell them when they left him, he said the spirit quickens the spirit makes alive. You got a spirit. The spirit of God that's on the inside of you will make you alive. The spirit on the inside of you will quicken your mortal body. But there's something you got to do in between. Because God knows what he has already done. The problem is you got to know what God has already done. So Jesus said the spirit quickens make alive. And I love this. He said the flesh profits you nothing that means the flesh is useless y'all the flesh is useless the spirit is what gives you life so we as christians have to depend on the spirit of god not our flesh he said the words oh my goodness the words the bible these words the word of god is spirit and is life Y'all, it is life in the word of God. The spirit comes in and gives you life through the word of God that you're hearing on today. So whatever is going on in your body, I command healing right now in the name of Jesus. Because the word said by Jesus stripes, you are already healed. I'm only commanding what's already done. We command. We don't beg. We as Christians command, he said, command ye me. That means that everything that I said, I'm giving you the right to command that is done. So we take authority, the authority that God has given us, the dominion, we command our bills to line up. We command our bodies to line up. We command our children to line up. Line up to what? The word of God. And as I'm speaking the word, the ministering angels are taking that word to bring them into alignment according to the word that I have spoken. God, he works things together for our good. That's why we call it those things that be not as though they were. Yeah, it may look like this today, but that's not how it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to be. So when we know how it's supposed to be, we go on how it's supposed to be, not how it is. So Jesus, he said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we have to go on God's word. Just like when he created us in his own image back in Genesis chapter 1. He created male and female in his image. He created us as spiritual beings. Check it out. The Bible say he created male and female. It wasn't just males because males needed females to go back and populate the earth. So it took male and female. It wasn't two males there bringing babies on this earth. So you got to go back and understand what the word of God is saying. He didn't have two women walking around naked waiting on a baby. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. Come on, if you read, see the devil twist that too. The devil twist that too. The devil want people to think it's okay. It is not okay. If that's how you choose to live, that's you. What's okay is what the word says is okay. Because when you're serving anything outside of the word, you're serving another God. Because God created things the way he wanted it to be. People are trying to change God's creation. So he told them. He told them to multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. He told them to replenish the earth. He told them to, to, to subdue the earth. That means that he was giving man control. Over his creation. He said the heavens and the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth have I given to the children of men. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is in control. But he gave the control to you. He turned the keys over to you. He has given you the keys to his kingdom. He said, I can't do nothing on earth. That's why I gave earth to you. We're begging God. God said, I'm not coming down there. I'm already here. <laughs> Use my word and let people know I'm here. Use my word. Watch my word manifest itself. People going to know that the kingdom has come. God want his kingdom coming here to the earth. And you're the one that will bring the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is near you. He said, you got to have a change of mind. How can people change their mind if we're giving them false doctrine? Right. Right. The word only works according to what God has said, not according to the traditions of men, because the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. So we don't go on man's tradition, what they set up. We go on what God has already said. So Jesus, he told them about the word giving them life, y'all. And guess what? He told the other 12, are you going to leave me too? And they said, where will we go? He said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Come on, when you know you're in a good place. When you know you're in a place that's speaking truth, why would you want to leave out a truth and go into a place where the letter kills? You want to be in a place where the spirit gives life. The letter kills. These are only letters until the spirit comes in and gives life to what you're reading. We don't go into the word of God just to prove something. We go into the word of God because we want the life that's in that word. I want to know Jesus Christ. He is my lifeline. He's the vine. I'm the branches. Without him, I am nothing. So when I go read it, I'm not getting it to tell you I know something. I'm getting it to get to know him. And I'm living what I know. And people know that I'm living what I know because I don't back down off of what you say. Oh, this is so good so good. I'm sweating. Oh, Jesus. God, we give you glory. See, God is bringing some life in the room. And the only thing he wants you to do is grab hold to that life. And you know what he's doing? He's preparing your heart. See, he's making your heart ready. He's establishing your heart. And that's what God wants. When truth come in, it will change your heart. It will change the way you think. Your baby will be rumbling all on the inside and you can't do nothing but raise your hand. You can't do nothing but say, that's why people in church, you got to really know what you're saying when you say amen. Some people saying amen because the preacher is huffing him. Amen. They do not but huff. Amen hallelujah preach it cause that's what they used to but when you really get hold to the word of God and the word of God is being spoken to you and that word becomes rhema to you that word becomes alive to you that word becomes illumination that word becomes revelation the light is shining from that word you can't do nothing but say amen it is so Don't you agree with nobody and you don't know what's so if you ain't been in what's so don't agree with it. We agree with it because we want people to think we know. No, just just take it in and say, God, I need to go back home and I need to dig a little bit deeper because that's something I ain't never heard before. Where did she get this stuff? You stay in here long enough. God got to prepare me to teach you. So if anything is in my way to stop me from doing what God wants me to do, I got to be willing to remove it. Because if I don't remove it, guess what? The life of God that's on the inside of me will not be able to flow out of me the way God wanted to flow out and produce what he wanted to produce, y'all. So if you're not producing it ain't on God. Because God gave you everything you need to deliver. God ain't going to allow you to carry a word for a year. And it ain't going to do nothing. See, God prepares you. So many people want to get excited when they get saved. They, Oh, I feel so good. It's the best thing i ever done. Glory to God. Running from the front to the back. Running all around the church. And all of a sudden, I'm going to go there. Let's go there. Let's go there, y'all. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. So we have stony ground, Christians. And stony ground is, we're going back to planting. When you're planting and you're planting amongst stones, and we're talking about a hardened heart, a stony heart, you're planting it. They receive it with gladness. People receive the word with gladness. They're running around. Yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holling out, saying yes, Lord. And then the Bible goes on to say it that and have no root in themselves. Did you know you can holler and have no root? Did you know you can roll all over the floor and have no root? Come on. I want to talk to you today. Did you know you can feel good when you leave church and have no root? And so endure for a time. you enduring for a time. You're talking about Jesus. You're talking about how he died for you, how he rose for you. You're talking about everything about Jesus, how you quit this, how you quit that. It say, but for a time. Then it says afterward, when affliction, y'all, affliction is oppression. Affliction is when a burden hits you. Affliction is trouble. And then, come on, ain't affliction enough. They're going to have the audacity. This Mark here, going to have the audacity to throw in or persecution. Why did not you just leave it? (laughs) Affliction is enough. Come on, somebody. You're being oppressed on every side. Burdens are hitting you. Trouble is coming on every side, but now Mark... I, I got that. Okay, I got that. But you're going to throw some persecution up in here? Okay, Mark, I know you're inspired by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can doing what God tell you to do. But God, come on, give us a break. You, you're just laying it down too quick. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. So you're going to have some oppression. Now, you're glad now. you glad you're telling people about Jesus, but oppression is coming. A burden is coming. Trouble is coming. Then after that, here goes some persecution. And it says it's coming because of the word. Because of the word's sake. Because of the word that you receive. All this. Y'all, won't it happen? Come on, you get a good word. You happy. You feeling some joy. Some gladness. All of a sudden, you oppress. Oppression can be with some type of sickness. Where you're tired of being that way. It keeps knocking at your door. It keeps oppressing you. It could be with your finances. It could be with your children. It could be all sort of things. But it says it comes because of the word's sake. And guess what happened? Immediately. Here go another immediately. Y'all, these immediately this is something. It's immediately mean at once. In case you don't know. <laughs> it means at once. Immediately they are offended. That offended mean they fall away. They stumble. Let's let's, let's just go back to this. You come into the house of the Lord. You enter in his gates with thanksgiving. You enter in his courts with praise. You thankful unto his name. And you know you heard the word. And you're jumping up and down. You're dancing before the Lord. You're glad. You're talking about him. You're enduring for a while. Then afterwards. Oppression come. Afterwards, trouble come. Afterwards, persecution come because of the word. And then the Bible says, at once, you fall away. Do we have some at once in here? Let's just be honest. It didn't take overnight. (laughs) It took right then. When that oppression came, you fell away. You stumbled. The reason why, you had no root See, some of us think we're where we need to be because we talk about it. You can talk about him, but you got to be about it. Amen. Come on, you can talk up, you know, about him and be so happy about what you're talking, but knock, knock. When it come to your house, what you saying? What you doing? How you acting? Are you still praying for folk or now you just pray? I ain't got time to pray for you. I got time to mess with you, girl. I got some stuff going on in my own house. You about to get somebody else to pray for you. Come on, get somebody else. Don't call this house no more. I ain't got time for that. I'm going through over here. I don't know if I'm going to live or die today. Just don't call my house. Don't call my house. Or some people will just not answer the phone. Some people don't even show up in church. The ones that was running around. Because see, when oppression come and trouble come, I, I don't need to be around no church folk. I don't need to be around nobody. I need to fast a little bit more. I need to pray a little bit more. I need to think about me, myself, and I a little bit more. Nobody don't care for me. Nobody ain't thinking about me. Nobody ain't going through what I'm going through. Nobody don't understand what I'm going through. Let me tell you something. What you are going through, somebody's already done been through it. So this is stony ground where this is not still in the heart. It hasn't taken root, but let me go a little bit further. Let's go to verse seven. No, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Everybody's hearing it. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let's talk about the thorns. When you're planting, you got to get the weeds out. The thorns is considered as the weeds. As things that you're sowing amongst. I'm going there y'all. You're sowing amongst those things. So let me break it down a little bit more. When you have thorns in your life, things that you have not gotten rid of, I'm going to go there. Go with me to Jeremiah. God, know what he's doing. The fourth chapter, verse um, three. Jeremiah, the fourth chapter. Listen at what Jeremiah was telling to God's people. They supposed to have gotten rid of things. And this is what he said in verse 3. Let me go to verse 1. If thou will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return unto me, and if thou will put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove, be removed. And thou shalt swear: The Lord liveth, in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in Him, and in Him shall they, um, shall they glory. So, what God is saying in those first two verses: You got to get a, um, rid of all these things. When you get rid of all these things, then the nations will see me through you, and they will give me glory. Y'all got that? But listen at verse three. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Let's go there. Remember, we're talking about the thorns, how you sowing among thorns. And what he's talking about with breaking up a fallow ground, when you break up something, you tilt it up. Fallow ground is ground that's uncultivated, meaning that it was cultivated before, but you left it there and it became hard. So when he say break up fallow ground and don't sow among thorns, what's happening to us being that we are born again, being that we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we do have a new heart because God has given us His heart. But what's happening is we have put everything before God. These are the thorns. The cares of this world, the anxiety of this world, the deceitfulness of what? Of riches, the lust of other things, those are the thorns. So even though we're taking the word of God, the word of God still can't take root because those things are coming in and choking the word. So if you had hurts growing up, let's go there. If you've been hurt growing up in your childhood, Maybe by your parents, maybe by a relative or whomever it may be. And you accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Remember, your spirit is what became new. In your spirit, that's where the newness is. But all of those hurts and things that you went through, you have to break up. You have to go in and till those things up. You cannot sow the word amongst those things. Why? What's going to happen? When something happened in your life, what you have not gotten rid of through the word of God, it's going to come up and out of you. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Even when you get married or you in another relationship and you are hurt by another male or by a female, when you get married and someone is really trying to love you, they cannot love you because you have not. Broke up that fallow ground. You have not tilted that stuff up. You sowed the word amongst that. So when love come in to give you what you need, love is choked out by your hurt of a past. Come on, somebody. So that person have to try to will and deal. That person have to try to do all they can do to let you know I really love you. I'm not like that person. But you don't put a guard up because you don't want to break it up. You become so bitter. They have to do more for you than the other person ever would have. When you have hate in you. Because of the hate. That come through somebody else. Love is coming in and want to love you. But you won't let love come in. Because you're afraid you're going to get hurt again. We got to break up this fallow ground. The bitterness. When you tell someone you forgive them. But you have not went into the word of God. To know what forgiveness really is. You just did it because that's what you said. The word told you to do. But you got to say God Come on, search me. I'm saying I forgive you, but do I really forgive them? I don't want this in me, God. God, I don't want these things to overtake me. God, I shouldn't be sounding this way. I shouldn't be acting this way. What's still in me? What am I holding on to that's causing me to be bitter towards this person? That's causing me to pull back from this person. Why, when I look at this person, God, I really want to cuss him out? What are you holding? People that hold things. That says that, oh, I'm not the same no more. Come on, y'all, I was one of those. And remind me, they said, what are those? (laughs) I was one of those that when I got hurt on my job, I was still serving Jesus, but not the way I needed to. I was still in my word, but not the way I needed to be. And But I was still hurt on how wrong they did me. So every opportunity I got, what was in my heart come out of my mouth and it come out in a way, not letting them know, but I'm letting you know. Have you been there? I'm not letting you know the way I want you to know, but I'm letting you know. I got, I got my own. So when the Lord really, when I really start crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, this ain't working. God, why am I still here? Why am I still going through what I'm going through? God, I don't understand. I haven't done anything to anybody. But the Lord was letting me know. He said, you want to be searched? You want to be examined? You want me to show you, you? Because I always said, God, what's wrong with me? I'm nice to people. I did think I was nice to people, y'all. I thought I was doing what I needed to do. But God said, I'm going to show you how you can be after you get knocked down. I'm going to show you what's really there, but I want you just to deal with what I show you. And when he starts showing me y'all control. When he starts showing me manipulation, when he starts showing me pride, he showed me Jezebel, he showed me some stuff. And I'm like, God, come on now. He had to show me why to get me prepared for this. So you can't walk up to me and tell me you like me when I know you got a problem with me. Because I'm going to get to the root of it from the root to the tutor. Because I done been there and done, done that. I can recognize jealousy. Because never thought that I would be a jealous person until my money started acting funny and couldn't buy my clothes no more. And seeing people in nice clothes and I'm looking at them and say, you took my money. <laughs> when I couldn't go out and eat no more, China King with everybody else. And I had to bring sandwiches. Then I start talking about them. It's your fault. You thank you something. God had to deal with me, and by dealing with me, I ain't have time. This is the funny part: when God starts showing me me, I ain't have time to look at him no more. Only thing I could do was put the word over my ears and say, "God, I'm gonna be like that. Thea, um, get this ready. Ah, uh, deliver me. What's her name? Yeah, that one." You get that ready. You know what I'm talking about? It's, um, who's the man? Donald Lawrence. This is my exodus. Y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> y'all, y'all, oh, you're acting like you hear what I'm saying. See, some people act like they hear what you say and then go out and live worse than you were living before. See, God bring this word for change. He don't bring this word for you to stay the same because the word's supposed to bring change, y'all. So this is why you got to break up. He's telling you, see, we're telling God, God, take this away from me. God said, "Uh uh-uh. No, I'm going to show it to you. But you got to be the one to do the work. You got to be the one that cry out to me and knowing that you really don't want it. Come on. I'm going there, y'all. I'm going there because breaking up fallow ground is dealing with jealousy, getting rid of it. It's dealing with gossip, getting rid of it. It's dealing with hate. It's dealing with offense. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Let me take you somewhere. Wait a minute. Let me tell you what's in the heart that that got to come out. Just because you saved don't mean everything is all right. Understand, your spirit is good. But your soul and what you have planted got to come out of you. Quit telling people, huh, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and what is it, Evander? That what she said. <laughs> That's a lot to say, ain't it? You got to practice that to really say it, to mean it. That's a lot that people get up and say. But I'm going to take you somewhere, with w- what's in your heart. Go to Matthew 15. You come to a service that roots up. That tears down. That builds and plants. Matthew 15. Let me tell you this. Listen at this. Verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth. Come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. Now this isn't only talking about a man. It's talking about a woman too. Now don't get it twisted. For out of the heart proceed. Listen at this. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Listen at this, y'all. Did y'all see what comes out of the heart? These are the things that we got to break up. These are the things that we have to break up. I want to say this. I'm going to get a witness. If somebody committed fornication all their life, did everybody know what fornication is? Could someone tell me, just in case somebody say, that ain't it. Before Who? Marriage. Say it again. That's before marriage. Okay, that's what fornication means. Can somebody tell me what adultery means? Who? Sleeping around on your spouse. It's two different things, isn't it? Hello, somebody. Let's say it again. What is fornication? What is adultery? Where did that come from? From the heart. I just read it. So you telling me if you fornicated. All your life. I know you couldn't do it when you was a baby, but if the parents did it, it get instilled in that, uh uh-oh, I ain't going to go in that teaching. Y'all don't know, do you? It happens. From generation to generation, stuff is passed on. Okay? So if you've been a fornicator, you love yourself some men's and some women's. That's what you love. I'm gonna give y'all an example. Y'all, this is so funny. I pick on my son. I call him the Jolly Green Giant. When my son was little, y'all kindergarten, he was looking at women. I say that boy is too young to be looking at a woman. That must be on my husband's side. <laughs> I say he he just be. Looking at this, because he will come home and he said, "Mama, I got a girlfriend." I said, "Boy, sit down. You're too young to get a girlfriend. You learning your ABCs, boy." Mama, I got. A I thought he was playing, and I could call the girl's name, but I ain't gonna do it. So he told me one day. He showed me the girl, and I'm like, "Okay, Jeremy, okay." Then one day he come home. He came home and he said, "Mama, I broke up with her." I'm like, what you know about breaking up with somebody? You ain't kindergarten. Now, he was very outspoken, right, Jennifer? Very, Jeremy was very outspoken. I said, okay, well, why'd you break up with her? She eats glue. (laughs) I said, okay, okay, I give you that one. So he left her alone. But that didn't stop him from looking. So I took him to daycare, right? And my son was very, y'all observant. So yeah, that come through some generations. He would ask my husband, he he saw a, a dog, and the dog just had puppies and, you know, the had the things hanging there for the puppies. He asked him, I believe, what it was. And I believe you told him it was hearts or something. I don't know. My husband wouldn't tell him straight up, y'all, because Jeremy was just out there. So he went to daycare and the lady called me. She said, Miss Brian, I need to talk to you about something. I said, yes. She said, um, Jeremy looked at me and told me, Miss so-and-so, you got some big hearts. I said, "Ma'am, please forgive my son, y'all. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me." <laughs> so we had to watch this boy, but this is who he was, y'all. So through the years, Jeremy always liked women. That's who he was, and you know, I I had to really get him. But thank God, he has somebody now. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. But God is still working in that area too. But what I'm saying is, it grew up in him. And what's in you, it's going to come out of you until you deal with it. Some people think just because they saved, they dealt with it. No, you haven't. And Manny, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you do a little testimony. What you had to do, you don't have to tell everything. Because this is for real. You just don't, see, this is what gets me with people. I'm sorry, baby. I ain't going to do it no more. You're the only girl I love. I just messed up. I don't know what got into me. It, it You know, I saw my family do it, and I thought that, please. Your family wasn't standing there and say, do it, do it. Do it. Do it. Go ahead on boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. No, God, give all us a choice. You have the right to choose just because your mom and daddy done certain things don't mean you have to do it. It's time for change, people. I saw a lot of things in my life, but I didn't do what I saw. I had to make up my mind and say no to that. Come on. It comes from the heart and you got to deal with these things. You cannot just marry somebody and say that's the only woman I want because eventually whatever's in your heart is going to come out of you because there's going to be a woman if you go in Proverbs 7 that's waiting by the roadside and say my husband, he's going on a long journey. Come on back to my house. Come on and get into my bed. And the Bible, I'm going to go there. I'm Y'all, I'm going to help you out. Mm-hmm. Let me read this. Let me read this. Y'all, hear this? Now, here it is. Listen what she said in verse 16. I'm going to read all this. Read it. it might take your mind somewhere. We're going to deliver that. <laughs> Listen at this. Verse 6. For at the Proverbs 7. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. And beheld among the simple ones, I discern among the youths, a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. And the twilight in the evening and the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with an attire of an harlot and subtile of heart. Y'all know what that is, right? Attire of a harlot. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offering with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently, to seek thy face, and I have found thee. See, she was watching. She was lurking for a man void of understanding. Listen to what she said. Now, this is what the devil do. I have decked my bed. Already got it prepared. Because she knew she was bringing somebody in it. With coverings of tapestry, with carved works, and with fine linen of Egypt. She wanted him in between them sheets. Listen now. I have perfumed my bed with moth, aloes, and cinnamon. Smell good. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Listen what she said. She even threw this in here. Now that man was stupid. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. Now did not she have a mate? Did she not tell him? That's what the devil do. He tell you. you he given you a choice right there. He has taken a bag of money with him. See, she know that man. And will come home at the day upon it. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Listen at this. This is the part I laughed at. He goeth after her straightway as an ox. Goeth to the slaughter. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strikes through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. And knoweth not that it is for his life. Have anybody ever read that? Reading and doing and not doing is two different things. Why did I say that? Because if fornication was born in you, you got saved and the drive for it got taken away from you. But what was planted there need to be dug up. People are not digging up lust for other things. People are not digging these things up. They just go into the altar and saying, yes, baby, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor and sickness and in health and to death do us part. And the death come from one or the other when they get caught because you ain't digging up your lustful ways. You're not digging up what you used to do. You, you're telling that wife, baby, I only got eyes for you. And your eyes is looking so many ways. You cross at it and don't know how it happened. You're taking glances, but eventually what's in you, it don't matter if you save. It's going to catch up with you. The enemy is setting you up for you to fail and lose what you have. And what women don't realize, and I'm saying this live, you don't want nobody left over. If that man cannot stay with his own wife, what makes you think he's going to stay with you? He need to get himself delivered. Amen. People don't want to talk about this in church. Don't you bring up fornication and adultery in church? Ooh. You don't supposed to talk about that across the pulpit. That's the problem. It's in the church. When you're truly sorry, you're crying out to God. You ain't looking at your wife or nobody else no more. you saying God like David did. God, I sinned against you. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. Because he recognized it ain't about what people think. It's about the God I serve, the one I am supposed to be serving with my whole heart. David began to repent. When you truly repent and have a change of mind, you don't go back to the same stuff. I'm seeing people that are living a lie. That are saying one thing and they're doing another. And this is one thing that um, men and Apostle would have these discussions dealing with marriage because we're getting ready to do a live marriage thing. For real, y'all. It's so many houses that are messed up. And we were talking about, um, you know, Apostle was saying, you know, some women, um, they got to know what's going on in that house. Remember, we was talking about it, apostle. It's some kind of sign. I said, but I'm going to be honest with you, apostle. It's some women that don't know, not unless the Holy Ghost tell them, because the husband is still paying the bills. The husband is still, you know, doing what he need to do for his wife. He's still taking care of what need to be taken care of in the house. He's, he's not missing a beat. So the only way the lady would know that is through the Holy Ghost. Because he's still doing what he do. That's a sneaky person. That's just a downright sneaky person. That's why we got to know what the word of God is saying. Just don't jump up and get married because it feel good. Them feelings ain't going to last. They change day by day. People feelings change. But the only way you can keep that love alive is through the word of God. Because people change Physically. They get bigger, they get smaller. They they act like sometimes they tell you one thing, don't know what they told you. So if you don't stick with the word, you can't stick with them. It takes the word for anything to work. It takes the word. Don't be creeping. Because creeping days are over. You already been found out because God already know what you're doing. And if that wife or that husband is before the Lord, he's going to show everything. Tell you what you had on, tell you how much you paid, tell you the time and everything. And you're going to be, oh, that's Jesus. And some people hear truth and still look at you in lie. Because they're afraid they're going to get thrown out of their own house. So take this, y'all. When you are preparing your heart before God, and you know you have a lust problem. You know that's still in you. You want to take time away and you want to say, God, deal with me. Show me Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shines the light. God know your thoughts are far off. So that's why he say the only way you can come to me with your whole heart is breaking up this foul ground. You got stuff that's in the way of me. And it's time for that stuff to be removed, y'all, for real. If we want to be whom God has called us to be, we got to remove these things out of our lives because if we don't, they're going to show up and show out. And guess what? Nowadays, even if you're repenting, it don't change some people's minds towards you. You got some people looking at the majority of the preachers based on what other preachers do. So they don't want to come to church. Because they're basing it on what this man did. So you just like everybody else, you telling us stuff, we trust in you, and then you go out and do something you told us not to do. This is why we got to ask the Lord on a daily basis, God, search me. God, what is still in me that I'm holding, that I'm around here smiling, that I'm acting like everything is okay, but God, is not okay. The same way this woman done this man in the word. This, what I read, is for us to take the heart to know. It didn't just happen way back then. It's happening now, y'all. It's happening right in front of people's eyes. And they really don't see it because they don't want to see it. God will show you things that you say, no, that ain't it. Oh, yes, it is. I showed you once, now I done showed you twice. Now open your eyes. Because I'm warning you what's in your house. So we have to be so careful. That's why once we plant the seed, y'all, and it's going in the heart, that seed has to be watched over. Because that's where the word goes in the heart. So the seed has to be watched over to the point that when the enemy comes in with these lustful things, desires for having other things, we hit him with the word. We hit him with what the word says. That's how we garden our heart regarding our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. This is why Jesus made it plain. These things come from the heart. You didn't just jump up and decide to do this. One day it was already there. So we need to be honest with ourselves because God already knows y'all. These teachings are not coming in here just to be coming in here because we're dealing with evil. Evil. I mean, so much evil around us and people are wondering, I can't believe they done that. I can. I can. Because if their heart ain't truly turned towards God, guess when people turn their heart towards God? When they get locked up for many years or when they find out they have a disease that cannot be cured. Now they're ready to say, Lord, I want to serve you. When things get people attention, they want to serve God. But you know just how they're serving God when they come out of it. Go with me to Jeremiah 17. Verse 9. And Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Listen at this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That means it's incurable. It's sick. Who can know it? Y'all, this is how people hearts are. The ones that have not accepted Jesus, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That means the heart is incurable. Nobody can cure nobody's heart but God. The cure comes from God, not from man. It comes from God. So women, I want to say this. God is opening this up today. Do not allow a man to come in your life and think that they can satisfy you from your past hurts. Or for what you've been through. You can allow a woman, a man, to come in your heart and say, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to do this for you. And you begin to rely on that person. And you feel like, you know, I'm whole again. No, you not. They cannot cure your broken heart. The Bible tells you the heart is sick. It's incurable. Who can know it? Then it goes to tell you. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the rings. The rings is the mind. Even to every man, according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. The Lord only know the heart. That's why when God sent Samuel to anoint David, and he was going to anoint his brother because he saw his outward appearance. God said, I don't look at the outward. I look at the heart. You got to go on whom I tell you. You can't go on because they look good and they smell good and they got everything that you asked for on a piece of paper. That can be the biggest devil, the biggest liar. That can be a murderer that you get ready to get married to because they had everything you wrote on that paper. No. You want to go with whom God tell you. That's why you got to be more acquainted than him more acquainted with him than you are with anybody. Because I want to tell you something. Once a liar, always a liar until the heart change. Some people lie so bad, they look at you and don't even blink. And they tell you stuff. And the Holy Ghost is saying, that's not true. Then you got to come back and tell them what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because they look at you and tell you, no, I wasn't there. Jesus. Even show him a picture. That's not me. Even pay the tape. I don't know who that could be. <laughs> the heart is desperately wicked. Incurable. Who can know it? That's, and then it gets so real. You believe the lie. You stand up for the man. Girl, you better keep your mouth off my husband. I told you that wasn't my husband. Now, he said it wasn't him, and I believe it wasn't him. Now, you must saw somebody. Didn't you see the picture? That ain't my husband. People are there, y'all. This is actually happening. So we got to deal with the heart. Even though you save, there's still things that's there that has been planted through the years that have to be dug up so the word can take root and so the life of God can really truly come out of you. Because those thorns, those weeds are choking the word and the word cannot do what it needs to do. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That means whatever you think is going down deep in your heart and that's what you become. And I got to say this. Some people are quiet fornicators and adulterers. They don't talk to people. They don't say too much. They just know what they're going to do. And they do it and go about their business like they ain't done nothing. Serious business. You have people that is so used to what they do, it has become a part of them that it doesn't bother them anymore. Y'all, I have watched relationships crumble because people refuse to go by what the word says. They feel like they're still not complete and this is what makes them complete. This person loved me more than this person loved me. But that ain't what the word of God says. The word of God says. Whom God has joined together. Let no man. Separate. And I want to tell you something. If you haven't dealt with your hurts. Through relationships. Through whatever it is. It's going to come back up in your house. Somebody going to get it. Because you haven't dealt with. It's time to deal with these things. That's choking the word. That's stopping the word from doing what need to be done. Sometimes when we're going to God, maybe it's financial, maybe it's dealing with something going on in our body. It can be anxiety there. It can be the cares of this world that's choking the seed that we want to plant in our hearts. And if we don't get rid of that anxiety, how do you get rid of it? By trusting God with all your heart. You get that? Trusting in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Miracle Temple, it is time. Let us examine ourselves and let's see what residue is left there that's choking the love that we're supposed to have for our spouse the love we're supposed to have with each other. The love that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to love one another just like he loved us. And if we can't love one another in that way, it's something choking his love. We're supposed to love our enemies. And if we can't love our enemies, it's something choking that. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit, why can not I be the wife or the husband I need to be? Why can not I be the father or the mother I need to be? Lord, what's going on with me? that's stopping me from being who you will have me to be according to what your word is saying. These people gave up their life because they believe the word of God. We cannot sit in church and just sit here to say we've been here. We come in here to get taught so we can let our light shine before men so that God can be glorified here on this earth. That's why we come in here to get taught so we can go out and let them know what we have learned. So we can be disciples of nations. It's not about sign me up, put my name on the roll. Because see, you already signed up in heaven. If you never enter these doors. But coming in here, keep us in fellowship. It keeps us on one accord. So that's why we want to make sure that we stay in the Word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove you will know what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. I'm gonna have Manny to come up if that's okay. Um, can I have a mic? Sometimes it takes testimony.